Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. we try to pray about it and we kind of kind of get an idea of what the year is going to be about, I feel like that the word for me this year is that this is a year of encounter. A year of encounter. A year for us to experience and encounter God in new and fresh ways. It's a way for us to come face to face with our Savior, to have moments with Him that change us and transform us and to make us really different. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than coming into the presence of God. The song that Lacey wrote and the song that she's singing about is about coming into the presence of God and all the guilt and all the shame and all of who I really am in my own self is washed away and wiped away and we are made right in the presence of the King. That's an encounter. And as we become Christians and as we grow in God and as we continue on to grow in deeper depths with Him, it requires us to have an ongoing encounter, an ongoing experience with Him. We need to have those moments of glory to glory, transformation to transformation, change to change. And so this is a year of encounter. Last week God again confirmed this through a word of prophecy that was given. And He said we're living in the last days and that His return would be soon. That He was going to pour out His Spirit on the church one more time before His return. I want to be in the middle of what God is doing in these last days. And I believe that this is a church full of people who also want to be in the middle of what God is doing in the last days. God, don't pass me by in what you are doing. Don't miss me in your outpouring and in the touch of God that is coming in these latter days. A year of encounter. A year to experience Jesus and the Spirit of God in new ways. And so I encourage you to begin seeking Him, to begin searching for those moments, finding places where you can separate yourself from the chaotic life and the busyness of life and find solitude and moments of silence and reverence with God because it is life-changing. It is in those moments when God speaks It is in those moments that I get promises and words that direct my life and guide me. It is in those moments that I am forever changed in His image. And so we want those. So over the next few weeks, what I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be preaching some stories where Jesus was sought out and found and people that had encounters with Him that changed their lives. And I hope that through that, you will be inspired, you will be encouraged, you will be uh, spurred on to seek out that same change in your life. My hope for all of us this year is that we will make seeking Him a priority, and as we seek Him, we will most certainly, surely find Him. Jeremiah 29 12, our series text, as I begin a new series called Encountering Jesus, our series text says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Let's find Jesus. Amen? Let's seek Him out. Let's make 2019 a year of encounter that changes our lives and leaves an indelible mark of God's grace upon us. That's what we want. I want to ask you to do something a little different this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me 
as we pray and as we kind of launch this new series and begin this new year. So if you would stand with me, I want to ask you to call out to God one more time this morning before I preach to you. And let's ask God to make this year a year of encounter with Him. Father, I thank You, Lord, for the people in this room. Come on, lift your voices in this place, Lord. We call out to You and we declare in this room, Lord, today that this year will be a year where we encounter the power and the presence of God. That, Lord, it changes us, it shapes us, and it makes us into what You want us to be. All Already this morning, we have felt the power of your presence fall in this room, God. And we have been marked by you this morning, God. Let this be the beginning of many things to come. And let this be the start of something great and something powerful and something life-changing in our lives, Lord. We thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you this morning. So... To help us all find Jesus, let me start by talking about where you won't find Him. And that I want to preach to you is Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus is not in the tomb. Mark 16, beginning in verse 1, says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint Him. The first point that I want to make this morning is that you shouldn't waste your anointing on what has passed. Don't waste your anointing on what has passed. Let me say this first, that there is nothing wrong with what the ladies are doing in our story. I'm not here to criticize their behavior. They are showing great love for Jesus. They are coming to Him Three days, mind you, after he has been placed in the tomb to anoint him and to preserve his body. What they're doing is very admirable. It's loving. It's respectful. It's reverent. But I can also tell you that what they are doing is not going to make a difference. Why is that, Pastor? Because when you can anoint what's dead all you want, but that doesn't make it come alive. You see, your anointing was not given to you to preserve what is dead. Your anointing was given to you so power could rest on that which is alive. Last week, one of the points that I talked about and preached about was that the past is the past. Nothing that you can do about what is past. There's too many times that we spend our lives and energy and we spend our anointing living in loss, living in what didn't work out, living in what could have been, and the what-ifs of yesterday. You will what-if yourself to death if you don't stop that stuff at some point in your life. Don't waste your anointing on what has already passed. Don't waste your anointing on what is already over. Now I want you to watch this very closely. Mark chapter, or verse 2 of 16. It says, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now did you catch that this morning? Listen, you gotta, you got to pay real close attention. They came to the tomb when the sun had risen. We read this in Scripture, we look at this in Scripture, and automatically we correlate it to the time of day. 
And of course, it certainly marks the time of day. But I also believe that it's much deeper than that. I believe that this scripture is not only referring to the time of day, but it's also referring to a change in circumstance, not just the time of day. They came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now listen to me this morning, church. If you're not careful, you won't recognize the sun has risen on a new day in your life. You'll still be living like everything's the same. You'll still be living like nothing has changed. You'll still be living like what if, or if if this had been different, or if this had been changed, if this had worked out differently. And if you spend all your time wasting your anointing on what has already passed, you'll miss a new sun dawning on a new day in your life. The sun has risen, yet they're spending their time going to the tomb. Can I just give you a little spoiler alert already this morning? You're not going to find Jesus in the tomb. He's not there. A new day has dawned. And the resurrected Savior does not hang around dead things. He's not in the tomb. He's not in the grave. You can certainly find Him, but you'll not find Him there. We're on a journey to find the Savior. But we're not going to find Him in the tombs of past things. You'll find Him in the middle of your life right now. You'll find Him in the middle of your circumstance right now. You'll find Him in this present moment right now. You just have to look for Him beyond the tomb of past things. So use your anointing for what you have. The anointing represents... When we talk about the anointing, what are we talking about? We're talking about the giftings. We're talking about the resources. We're talking about... We're talking about uh, the talents. We're talking about our spirituality. All of those things rolled into one, directed toward the purposes of God. That is what we are anointed for. That is the anointing of God. And because it is always directed toward the purposes of God, it is always directed toward life. When someone is walking in purpose, we say they have an anointing. They're anointed to do that. We recognize that they are living in in this moment and God's power is working through them to accomplish His purpose in their life. We we see that played out in in different ones throughout our service. We see it played out in Lacey this morning. She is anointed to sing. She is anointed to write songs. She is anointed to do those things for the Lord. We know she's walking in her anointing. So I'm challenging all of us in this place, use the anointing for what you are right now, for where you are right now, and for what God is trying to do in your life right now. You can't live your life in yesterday because yesterday there's no anointing for that. You can't preserve what's already passed. You can't fix what's already gone. You can't change what's already happened. But what you can do is take what you've been given today, your resources, your talents, your gifting, the ability of God in your life, the power and presence of God in your life, and you can use it right now to change what's going on from this moment forward. It's not for the past. It's not for what has passed. It's for what is God doing now. That's where we have to spend our anointing. 
God is moving now. No, that's not going to work for me. I said, God is moving now. Now, Now listen, if you don't feel Him, I get that. If you don't see where He's working, I understand that. But listen, don't you dare doubt that God is not moving. Don't you dare doubt that God is not up to something right now in this earth. Because if you start to think that God is not moving anymore, God's not working anymore, then what in the world are we doing here today? What are we here gathering for if we believe that God has already done with everything that God is going to do? I've come to tell you today that God's not finished with you. God's not finished with this church. God's not finished with this community. God's not finished with your family. God's not finished at your job. God's not finished with any part of your life. God God is moving and our duty is to find out where that's happening and find out how we can connect with where God is moving. He most certainly is moving. Now let's find out what He is doing and let's find out how we can be a part of what He is doing. Don't waste your anointing on what is past. Spend it on what God is doing now. Spending on, spend it on what God is doing right now. Mark chapter 16, verse 3. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw what the stone, that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. The second point I want to make today is this, that the stone has been rolled away. The stone has been rolled away. They said among themselves, verse 3, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? It's not a problem because the stone's already been rolled away. Verse 4, but when they looked up. When they looked up. Do you know that oftentimes the only thing required for us to experience the change we desire is to simply look up? Quit looking down, quit looking back, but start to look up to where God is working. Psalms 3.3 says, He is the lifter of our heads. We sang about it this morning in the second song, that He lifts the weary heads. He is a God that will lift you out of your circumstance and lift you into a position where you can see not what He has done, but what He is doing. And so instead of looking down at what was... I can look up at what is and see that God has already finished a work that I have been waiting on Him to do. Who will move the tomb for us? It's already done. Just look up. Who's going to roll the stone away? Just look up. My problem is that I just didn't take the time to look up and recognize where He had already been at work the whole time in my life. Verse 4 says, But when they looked up, They saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. I would propose to you this today. That really what was going on in the women's life that we read about in our story is that they are really living in the tomb themselves. Now let me paint this picture for you. You have to think about the fact that their hope, their future, their faith, all was residing in the person of Jesus. And in their minds, in their minds at this point in our story, all of that died with him at Calvary. Their hope was crucified. Their future was crucified. 
Their faith was crucified. All of that happened at Calvary. And so at this point in their lives, everything they are, everything they wanted, everything they believed would happen was buried and placed in the tomb. And now their lives are really contained in that tomb. And they are on the inside looking out. The stone is keeping them in as much as it is keeping them out. But I've come to tell you this morning that the stone has been rolled away. And even though it is very large, even though it's bigger than them, it has still been rolled away. The stone represents the hold of death and death represents the consequence of sin. It is the shame of my past. It is the guilt of my mistakes. It is the disappointments of my life. It is the dreams that never came to pass. And it is the potential that never produced. But Jesus. But Jesus. Jesus has rolled the stone away and it no longer holds you or them or anyone else captive. John 11 is a story where Jesus rolled the stone away in his life and did a wonderful miracle. The story of Lazarus and Jesus raising him from the dead. John eleven thirty nine 39 says, Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. For you and I, we can't keep living like life like there's a stone when it has been rolled away. Let me ask you this. What if Lazarus just stayed inside? You know, the story is that Jesus asked them to remove the stone and he calls Lazarus to come forth. And as Lazarus is resurrected back to life, he steps out of the tomb and steps into a new life with Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this. What if Lazarus just stayed inside? What if he just said, this is my tomb. This is the life that's been created for me or the lack thereof. And I'm not coming out. I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the fresh air from the stone being rolled away. I appreciate the change in scenery. But I'm not changing my position. I'm going to stay right where I am. Here's what I would bet would have happened to Lazarus had he stayed in the tomb. That death would have claimed him yet again. And that he would not have gone into a life. That he would have been captured by death again. You hang out in a grave and you end up dead every single time. We would all say Lazarus is crazy for staying there. Yet many of us stay in the tomb of our tragedy. We stay in the tomb of our disappointment. We stay in the tomb of our despair. When our own personal stone has been rolled away. I'm going to tell you something this morning, church. Jesus didn't just roll the stone away for himself. When he rolled away the stone from the grave, he did that for each and every one of us as individuals. He did it for you in your own personal situation. He did it for you in your own personal tragedy. He did it for you in your own need of healing. He did it for you in every situation that comes up. God did that for you and for me. And the stone has been rolled away. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him. We were buried 
buried with him. Do you hear that? We were buried. We're not buried with him. We were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should be walking in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to that sin. We are no longer bound by the stone. It has been rolled away. And so this morning, whatever is standing between you and your today, your now, there is a stone that Jesus has already rolled away between you and joy between you and purpose, between you and forgiveness, between you and healing, between you and blessing, between you and hope, between you and reconciliation. It is a stone that Jesus made a way through resurrection power to be rolled away in your life. Now walk out of the stinking tomb. Can I just preach a little bit here? I'm going to try to without coughing my head off. Why are we living in a tomb when Jesus has done everything that he can do to get us out of that old life? I listen to people all the time, and I'm one of them. People are listening to me too, so I'm not putting myself in a different category than anybody else. But I'm telling you, we all are are sick with this idea that what has happened to us is defining us and that we are stuck in some kind of situation that we can't get out of. But what my Bible tells me is though we were buried with Christ, we were also resurrected with Him, and the body of sin has been done away with, and we are no longer limited We're no longer stuck. We're no longer bound by all of that junk in our lives. We are set free from all of that mess. And so why do we keep living like we weren't? At some point, i got to get sick of my surroundings. And i got to say, this tomb living isn't for me. And i got to decide, I'm going to go create a new world to live in. I'm going to create a new Uh, life to walk in. And let me tell you, how that happens is by spending time with Jesus. His day started. His life started. Lazarus' life changed the moment he stepped beyond that tomb and stepped face to face with a Savior who could resurrect him out of every problem he had in his life. Now walk out of the tomb. Move on. And I'm not just talking about bad stuff. I'm not just talking about tragedies. I'm talking about some of us are stuck in the good times that have already passed. And we're not creating anything new and fresh in our lives because we're still going back to the way things used to be. Those days aren't coming back. God's not working in the same way He did. But He's still pouring out His Spirit. He's still on the move. He's still speaking to people. So moving on doesn't mean forgetting It doesn't mean that that moment didn't mean anything to us. It just means that I'm not going to remain captive to a moment that has come and now has gone. It means that I am moving into some new moments, walking in newness of life, new moments with God that also have meaning and continue to shape my life in new ways. Jesus tells us to move from glory to glory. But we can't move from glory to glory if we're stuck in the old glory. There has to be some new glory. The stone has been rolled away. Come out of the tomb and see what God has prepared for you and for me today. 
Verse 5 says, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. You're not going to find Jesus in the tomb. Because there's no life in the tomb. The life is in the present moment. The life is in the now. Past dreams, not P-A-S-T past, but P-A-S-S-E-D past. Dreams that have come and gone. They have passed. Past experiences. Past moments. Past lives. Past hopes. God hasn't given you a grave life. He has given you a grace life. And now that you have that, you, everything you need for now is given to you in this moment. My grace is sufficient for you. There is an encounter for you today with Christ Jesus because He has something for your now. You're not going to find Him in the tomb. The resurrection and the life doesn't waste time in tombs. He goes in, does His business, and gets out. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. What are you missing right now because it is not what you have experienced in the past? What are you missing right now that God is wanting to do in your life, but, it's be- but because you've not experienced it this way before, I'm letting it pass by me? It's called putting God in a box. It's called building a place for God that is constructed by my preconceived ideas of who He is and what He can do. What encounter with Jesus is passing you by Because it doesn't resemble how you have encountered Jesus in the past. Those things have passed away and now the stone has been rolled away. Let's step beyond the tomb of past things and experience the newness of life in Christ Jesus for today. Verse 7. But go tell all disciples and Peter. But go tell all his disciples and Peter. That he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. My question to you is this. Why do you think the angel says, but go tell the disciples and Peter? Isn't Peter one of the disciples? Isn't he implied in just saying, go tell the disciples? So why the emphasis and Peter? I'll tell you why. Because... Even though you can't live in the tomb, there are some things that need to be left there. Even though you can't live in the tomb yourself, there are some things that just need to stay buried. There are some things that need to be left behind as you exit the old life into the new life. And Peter. And Peter. Why and Peter? Mary sent to report to the disciples and Peter that Jesus is risen from the grave. Why does that mean What does that mean specifically for Peter? Think about this. Peter's year had been a roller coaster year. He had moments where he was on fire and moments where he was at his worst. His year was an up and down kind of year. 
He had that incredible moment at Caesarea Philippi where Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they're all bumbling around trying to answer the question. And then finally Peter says, you are Jesus Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says, you are right. And upon this confession, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not even going to be able to prevail against it. That's a huge moment. That's a knock it out of the park moment. That's me at my best. There was another moment when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He and just a couple of other disciples are asked to go, and he climbs to the top of the mountain with Jesus, and then all of a sudden they are engulfed by the very presence of God. And out of that cloud that surrounds them, there's a voice that comes from heaven and says, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm, I'm proud of him. And you get to witness me declaring to you that he is the Christ. Peter was so overwhelmed by that moment, he says, I'm going to build a house up here. I'm staying. That's a great moment. That's moments that mark our lives forever and ever. Those are moments that we go back to and we remember and we say, man, that was powerful. Peter had another moment where he had a chance to get out of the boat and walk on some water. How many people can say that? Peter can. He climbed right out of that boat and walked on water for a little bit. Yeah, he struggled a bit, but man... He still did what nobody else had ever done except Jesus. That's a pretty elite crowd. That's a big day. That's a good year. But you know what else Peter had? Peter had some downtimes too. He had some moments where he was at his worst. He also had a moment where he rebuked Jesus for following the plan of God. And Jesus had to look right at Peter and say, I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. That's a bad day. That's when things aren't going well. That's when I have let my puffed up attitude get the best of me. And I think I am counseling Jesus. This is also a year when Peter falls asleep. When Jesus needs him to be praying for him. He brings his disciples along. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go to the cross. And all he asks is his closest, dearest, most committed friends to just pray for me for a little while. And he comes back and guess what he finds Peter doing? Peter's napping. He kicks him, wakes him up, gets him going again. Goes off to pray, comes back and guess what he finds Peter doing a second time? Napping. That's a bad day. That's the day when my friends were supposed to count on me, and they couldn't. That's the day when I dropped the ball, and I didn't come through when I should have. That's a bad day. And Peter's year also includes his worst moment in his life. When Jesus has gone to the cross, and he has the chance to confess him as Lord and Savior because he knows very clearly he is Jesus. He said out of his own mouth, And he had God say it directly to him. There's no question of whether or not this is Jesus. He knows it is. And yet Peter says, I don't know that guy. I don't know him. What are you talking about? I'm not his disciple. I've never even heard of him. He's not my Lord. He's not my Savior. He's not anything to me. And three times he rejects his very Savior. That's a bad year. But it was also a good year. And here's what I propose to you, the and Peter, we don't have to wonder about that. I think we all know very clearly why he says and Peter. 
because the good and the bad all rolled up together. That's what a life is like. That's what a year is. That's what 2018 means to me. I had some great moments where I was knocking it out of the park, and I had some moments that I really would like to just forget about. I had some times where I did well, and I had some times when I did my worst. What do we do about that? We remember Ann Peter. He's invited too. You know, for Collie and Mike, I was thinking about people in the church, you know, gone through tough years. You know, Aunt Micah breaks his ankle. Collie's dad has cancer. They deal with that this last year. Tough year, but you know what? I bet there was some good stuff too. I bet there were some moments where they knocked it out of the park, and I bet there were some moments where they wished that 2018 would just go away. For the Shimmons, you know, it's been a good year for them in a lot of ways. Kelsey's gotten married. Wow, what a blessing that is. Michael's come home. That's a blessing. Joe and Monica's moved here from California. That's a blessing. But it's also a year of uncertainty, a year of surgery, a year of when we didn't know the outcome was going to be, and, and fear would grip us at days, and faith would grip us at other days. Some days we were at our best, and some days we were just not. We were at our worst. It's called a year. And Victor and the Waddells and the Fours and all of us in this place, I can name after name of people in this room, the Pates that have good days and we've had bad days. And guess what it's called? It's called 2018. And we're not going to curse the whole thing. But what we are going to do, whether it was good or bad, we realize that those things have passed. And now we're moving on into what God has for us next. What is God doing for us now? Where is God trying to take us now? What is God trying to do for me in this moment? What is God trying to bring into my life in this moment? All across this room, the Ann Peter makes a lot of sense. The good, the bad of a previous year. Parts where we won and parts where we lost. And I just encourage you, regardless of the good, regardless of the bad, here's what I encourage you to do today is release it and let it go. It's past. Sometimes the good things of the past keep us from experiencing the better things of the present. And sometimes the bad things of the past are kept alive by fear. So let what is buried stay buried. And let what is past stay past. Let's quit living in memory and imagination and live in this moment. Because this moment's all we got. And this moment's the only thing I can control. This moment's the only thing I can do anything with. Move on from whatever you need to move on from. Verse 16 says this. or Chapter 16, verse 7. But go tell all his disciples and Peter... That he is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him as he said to you. The last thing I want you to know this morning is there is an encounter waiting for you. There is an encounter waiting for you. God has a planned encounter for you this year. Verse 2 says, very early in the morning on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Verse 8, so they went quickly and fled from the tomb. The sun has risen on a new day in your life, and it's time to flee the tomb. Trade the grave life 
for the grace life. Don't waste your anointing on what is past. The stone has been rolled away, and there is an encounter with Jesus waiting for you outside the tomb. Jesus didn't go into the tomb to get Lazarus. Lazarus had to step from the tomb to encounter Jesus. We will find him if we seek him with our whole heart. So let go of whatever you need to let go of in 2018, and let's see what God has prepared for us in 2019. This is a year of encounter. Would you stand with me across this place? What do you need to let go of this year? What do you need to let go of this year, previous years, whatever, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever it is that may be keeping you stuck in a tomb of past things when God has prepared an environment of new encounter for you? What do you need to let go of? God, prepare us for an encounter with you. And for that to happen, I have to move beyond the tomb that I'm currently living in. As they begin to play from the back, this morning, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to let go of some stuff. I need to just close the door to some things in my past and allow God to do some new things in my life. I'm going to invite you to step forward this morning and come find a place to pray in these altars. What do you need to let go of in the past? Where does God need to take you from this point on? What do we need to seal the door to and let God do some big things in our lives? Flee the tomb. I'm asking some people this morning, flee the tomb of your mistake. Flee the tomb of discouragement. Flee the tomb of despair. Flee the tomb of blessing. Flee the tomb of past experiences. Flee the tomb of whatever is holding you in a place and keeping you from where God is trying to take you forward. We can't let the grave hold us back. Father, I just plead the blood of Jesus over this room this morning. I ask that, God, every person that has stepped from this seat, Lord, those that are in their seats that need to be here, Father, I pray that, God, right now the conviction power of the Holy Spirit begin to just plug, pull at their hearts, pluck at their hearts, God, draw them to a place, Lord, of stepping out in faith to experience the, the power and the transformation grace of God. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.